0: finally hit my knees and i said god if eating whatever i want whenever i want is not the answer and if controlling everything i eat is not the answer would you show me what the answer is would you set me free from this fixation with food and that's when the real journey and adventure began
1: Hey there! Welcome to the Compared Who podcast and video cast. I'm Heather Creekmore, your host, and today I am super excited for my guest, Asherita Choo Choo. And you have probably heard of her because I have talked about her one book fool a lot. So I am excited to finally be able to talk to her today. And let me tell you just a little bit about her, and then we're gonna dig in. So Asherita is a best-selling author. She's a national speaker, and she's host of the Prayers of Rest podcast. She's a Romanian missionary kid, and she's passionate about helping women all over the world find joy in Jesus through creative and consistent time in God's word. Asherita is married to her high school sweetheart, and together they raise their three spunky kids in Northeast Ohio. Asherita, thanks so much for being on the Compared Who show today. Heather, thank you so much for having me. It's my joy to be here. I loved Fool, loved, loved, loved it. And mm-hmm. it was funny because it came out, I think you put me on your influencers list or something because you sent me a copy and I didn't I didn't necessarily know what to expect, and I just got this book, and I was like, "Fool, how huh? that's kind of interesting." And I don't know, I'm a book skeptic. Maybe you are too. Where you kind of you see it, you're like, yeah, "Is there really going to be anything for me in here?" <laughs> And I started reading and I couldn't put it down. It's a fantastic book and I recommended it Mm. over and over and over again um, to to women that read my stuff or follow me. I want to talk about Fool, but I want to go even further. But I want to talk about Fool and I want to talk about some of the other things you've written. You have a a newer book out, but before we do, tell us a little bit more
0: about yourself. Yeah. So um, like you said, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We met in fifth grade summer camp and boys still had cooties back then but obviously I got over that. (laughs) that's awesome. um, It's so fun. He's my best friend and we do online ministry together. It's just amazing how God has teamed us up and we get to serve women around the world. And yeah, I love writing and sharing with people around the world about how we can find joy in Jesus. We can find fullness and satisfaction and everything we could ever possibly desire is found in Jesus. And so that is my heart passion is to communicate that whether you've grown up in your church your whole life and you feel kind of burnout and bored with your Bible reading and you're like, this just, this isn't what I thought was promised to me. Or if this is your first time and you're like, Jesus, wait, what? Like, how is he relevant? Um, It's just my heart to share the joy that I have found in him and how that relates to all the different areas of our lives that we turn to for satisfaction. And so for me, food has been one of those for so long, where whether I was having a good day, or a bad day, whether I was just procrastinating a writing project, or, you know, the mid-afternoon munchies, like food always found its place in center stage. And there was so much guilt and shame that came with that. And um, I grew up in the church. So it, it took, Me long enough to finally say, "God, would you help me with this?" Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's really good. Well, I mean, just to dig right into the food thing, then I'm going to go back to the the quiet time devotionals later because I do want to talk about that. But your uh, your book full starts with you and the cake. Mm -hmm. It was was a leftover birthday cake, right? Yeah, very hungry caterpillar. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. And I mean. I feel like every woman I know <laughs> could probably relate to just that scenario right there where you power through the party, you know, maybe you stopped and had a little bit of cake, maybe you didn't, but you know that that leftover cake is there calling to you um and and I love i I think it was definitely a defining moment <laughs> I
0: suppose for you will you will you fill that out for me a little bit? What- yeah. Yeah, so for listeners who haven't read the book, um, it was my first daughter's first birthday party. And so every, everything was lovely. Like it, people had come who love and support us and we had a great time celebrating her and her first year of life. Um, And we had a very hungry caterpillar themed party because that was her favorite book at the time. And so there's this caterpillar shaped cake <laughs> and we ate maybe, you know, like half of it. And so there's cake left over. So I'm tearing down decorations, bringing them inside and there is the cake, so I grab, like, a bite of it, this is really good cake, um, and we keep, you know, cleaning up, and saying goodbye to people, and I, I keep gravitating back to this cake, and I take another bite, and another bite, and Heather, I don't know if you've been in that situation, where there's only, like, a little bit left in the row, and so to, like, ruin all evidence that I, you know, right. indulge in an extra cake, I, like, finished off the row, right. right, right, but I keep coming back to that cake, and before long, I had eaten half of what was left. And it was past the point, like I wasn't hungry. I wasn't angry. Mm. I wasn't sad or mad. I just could not control Mm. my eating. Um, I, I felt powerless to stop. And I remember being at the kitchen sink and, and it was forked to my mouth. I paused midair and I thought, what am I doing? Mm. Why am I still eating? Why do I feel like I can't stop something is really, really wrong here. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't like, I mean, I had some baby weight left over, but I'd never been visibly overweight. It, it wasn't like a um, dominant issue in my life. I was always, the way I describe it is on the round side of average. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so for me, I didn't think food was a big issue, but that moment of feeling like I cannot control my eating in this moment, I want to stop And I feel like I can't, Mm -hmm. um, that's when I, I, I think that in the moment of my daughter's birthday made me realize I want to put an end to whatever's going on, not just for my sake, but for my daughter's sake, Uh, my mom has struggled with food her whole life. My, as like the stories are carried down, food has been an issue and Mm -hmm. I wanted it to stop with me. I didn't want this to continue with my daughter. Um, so I did what every sensible woman does. And I went online and researched the latest diet, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the best way to stop and get control of what I'm eating. Um, and I went on this 30 day extreme elimination diet. And the first like few days to a week was just absolutely horrendous. I never thought I had an addiction to sugar until I stopped mm-hmm. eating all sugar. And then it was The only thing I could think about all day. Mm -hmm. Um, But after I went through kind of that detox process, suddenly I realized I don't really crave sugar anymore. I don't really want sweets anymore. In fact, the pendulum had swung so far to the other side where I felt empowered by controlling what I eat. And Mm -hmm. I felt better about myself because this thing that used to control me, now I can control it. And it became micromanaging Mm -hmm. of every bite that I ate. Um, and after a few weeks of this, my husband and my mom kind of sounded the alarm and they're like, Sherita, this isn't, this isn't right. Like you're too obsessed now with what you're eating and I'm a researcher at heart. So back online, I went, uh, to discover that this actually is a big concern. Now it's called orthorexia. It is an obsession with correct eating. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing this I mean this was six years ago now that the story took place over the last six years. it's just become more and more of an issue where women and men, young and old, we are becoming consumed by how we eat right. and instead of mastering it, it still masters us. Mm-hmm. It just looks differently. Right. So after all of that, that's when I finally hit my knees, and I said, "God, if eating whatever I want whenever I want is not the answer." And if controlling everything I eat is not the answer, would you show me what the answer is? Would you set me free? From this fixation with food, and that's when the real journey and adventure began. Yeah, that's
1: awesome. And I've had several guests. If orthorexia is something you're struggling with, and you're watching or listening today. I talked to Sean Coons in season three, and Cassandra Baker. I think that was also season three. I've had several guests on the show who have been just in the clutches of orthorexia where they could not go eat someplace because they had to take all their own food. You know, even so far as like going to visit family for the weekend required taking coolers full of food because they couldn't possibly eat something that, you know, wouldn't match their plan exactly. And, and it is, it's bondage. It's absolute bondage. So the right answer is, is, is not this bondage. Obviously that's not God's answer. God wants us to live free. But then so many women I talk to and myself personally, like we've had this struggle of, I don't know if I can trust myself if I'm free. So what has God shown you Asherita? Where is the life of grace when it comes to eating and, and dealing with food? Hey there, how much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out, compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out "Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compare to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity.
0: Yeah. Um, in some, so many ways, it feels like I'm still on this journey and still, like I said, it's an adventure. And so uh, even since I published the book Fool, there's so much that I've learned in the process. But something that was a big like light bulb moment for me was to realize that God created us three natured persons, right? We're body, soul, and spirit or mind. Um, And so often we come to this issue of food solely from the body perspective, Mm -hmm. what we eat, what we don't. Um, Sometimes we also tackle on that mind or emotion part of it, like taking captive our thoughts and and checking what emotions drive us. And both of those are important. But what I realized was there weren't very many people talking about the spiritual aspect of Mm -hmm. this. And for so many of us, food fixation is a spiritual battle. And I believe for 21st century women, especially, it is one of the choice ways that the enemy of our souls comes at us with bondage because we're not even aware that it's a spiritual battle. And yet the battle is so real. And the Bible has so much to say. Anything that entangles us or weighs us down stands in the way of when Jesus said, you know, the the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And that is what has been our life story for so many of us in this area and have it to the full. So part of my journey the last six years has been realizing how is this a spiritual battle in addition to the physical and mental and emotional? Mm. What does it look like to invite God to be my divine dietitian, Mm. to be the one who guides me, to be the one I rely on? What does it look like after a bad day instead of hitting the pantry, to go and hit my knees in prayer. Um, It changes everything, Heather. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's, if we were going to have a struggle with alcohol, right? I think most of us would be pretty quick to say, oh, there's a spiritual component to that. But a lot of us don't think there's a spiritual component to the food thing, because I think, because there's so many readily available solutions, right, to your problem with food. I mean, you can find <laughs> you can find the diets, you can find the non-diets, you can you can find everything in between. So that's that's really good. Well, so since then, since you wrote Fool, you've been kind of focused on driving women to spending quality time in God's word. And I feel like those two go together <laughs> pretty closely. So will you explain explain the connection there? What happens when a woman starts to dig more into God's word on a regular basis? How does that help the food issue?
0: Yeah. And let me just take a a step back because uh, an important part for me in the food journey was also realizing that food is not the enemy. Mm -hmm. That food, in fact, is a good gift from Mm -hmm. a good father that's meant to turn our hearts to him in worship. And um, until we correctly label who the enemy is, we're going to continue fixating on food. So that's part of it as well is acknowledging like the difference between a food fixation and maybe a struggle with alcohol or drugs or a social media addiction. There's so many different um, ways that the enemy holds us in bondage. But the difference with food is you can't just completely stop eating. Mm -hmm. Like it is a daily necessity. And when we look at scripture, God has so much to say about food. And the predominant theme is this is a gift. Mm-hmm. Like God could have created us to be solar powered and, and not right. have to eat. Right. And yet he gave us the gift of taste buds, of creativity, of assembling foods in ways that nurture and nourish us and also provide us joy when we break bread together and fellowship. So there's so much good good that come come out of a right relationship with food. And when we stop insisting that food fill the space that only God can fill, we can then release it to be the good gift that God meant it to be. And so that the other side of that then is looking at, like I was just reading this morning in my devotions, uh, when Jesus said to Satan in the wilderness, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I think food is such a beautiful metaphor that Later on, he says, "Give us this day our daily bread." Mm-hmm. Right? We we talk about scripture being daily bread uh, just as much as the actual food we eat. And I think it was John Piper that said uh, he postulated that perhaps the reason God created us to be dependent on food is so that it would be a physical metaphor of our spiritual dependence on mm-hmm. Him. Just I as you can't you can't not only go a day without eating you you can hardly skip a meal mm-hmm. right. <laughs> without feeling like right. I need nourishment. Um, and and that is the level of dependence that God wants us to have on him to just as much as you enjoy a chocolate chip cookie or an ice cream sundae to relish God's presence. Uh, David says, Oh, and so many Psalms, Psalm 63 and Psalm 73. Um, Who am I in heaven but you? And there's nothing Mm. I desire on earth Mm. besides you. My flesh might perish, but you you are with me. You sustain me. I desire you more than anything else. Uh, There is just such beauty when we enter into that space with God, where he stops being like fifth or sixth or seventh on our list, but Mm -hmm. he becomes the very reason we wake up in the morning. You know, a few, like before this whole thing started, I would wake up Heather and the first thought on my mind was, what's for breakfast? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when I went to sleep, my last thought was regret over what I ate. Mm -hmm. Uh, Food just so consumed all of my moments. And so to go from that point to where I wake up in the morning and I start a conversation with God, good morning, God. Thanks for Another day, things that I get to do life with you. I can't wait for what you have for me. God created us from the Garden of Eden to be in relationship with him. And so that is the joy that we have. I I was talking to my daughter yesterday about heaven and the things that we have to look forward to in heaven. And she was so fixated on like the gold Mm -hmm. and like the house that she'll have and like no more sickness or tears or death. And I was trying to explain to her, yes, but the treasure is God. Mm -hmm himself. Mm -hmm. Like God could come and renew the earth and he could heal us of everything and give Mm -hmm. us eternal lives and new bodies. And that would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. That would be far better than what we have now. But if God then left and left us alone, we would be missing out on the greatest treasure Mm -hmm. of all. And that is God himself. And so we get to have a part of that now in the spirit of God living in us. So when we open God's word, it's not to check something off our list. It's not to impress him with our obedience. It's not because we have to. It's because this is our very bread of life. Moses said to the people, these are not meaningless words to you. Mm-hmm. These are your very life. Mm-hmm. And we have the treasure of God's Word. And we get to read it each day.
1: I love that. And when you're talking about heaven, I actually thought you were going to go to, I thought you were going to say that your daughter was excited about the food. <laughs> <Heaven>. <laughs> I don't even think she's aware of that part yet. <laughs> because, because I feel like that's a conversation that I've had with my kids, like, especially they're a little older now, but especially when they were younger, it was like, oh, well, we have like delicious food in heaven. But you're exactly right. I, I was talking about heaven and kind of the realm of the body image issues and how I remember growing up and hearing, and maybe maybe you heard this too, where it's like, we're going to have new bodies. And when I thought we're going to have new bodies in heaven, like I kind of, in my mind, it's like, well, like that'll be the perfect body, but not perfect in that, you know, like God's design perfect, but perfect in a well, finally, I'll have that, you know, body I've always dreamed of, you know, any extra mm-hmm. pounds will be gone all, the, all all the whole package, right? But I remember we, well, this is just recently, actually, we were studying heaven at church just really during the COVID season and it hitting me. So like just in the face, the reason we won't be consumed with what our bodies look like, the reason that, you know, we'll be okay with looking the same way as we do now, only having a healthier heavenly version of what we have now is that all the glory will go to God and we will finally be free from trying to find our own glory and and I feel like that that to me is an exciting thing <laughs> in terms of the whole the whole food and body image thing it's like, ah, you know how much of our struggle with the way we look and and food's relationship to the way we look and trying to control our food so we can control the way we look like how much of that is is just us seeking glory that we really need to be turning back to God like he 's the only one that 's worthy of glory, so i I love to think of heaven in that way, so what you 're doing now. More, most of your focus has been, I know you put out a a breakfast and what's it called? The, your, your breakfast? Bible and breakfast. Bible and breakfast. So it was like breakfast. breakfast and Bible. That yeah. doesn't sound right. Bible and breakfast. <laughs> that sounds right. Um, you put out that book, which I love. And I've heard great things about from friends too, that just really enjoyed, have enjoyed that. But your heart is to get women into the word. And so what, what does that look like? And what
0: does, What does that do in the food struggle? So the concept of Bible and Breakfast is that um, I'm a bit of a foodie. And like I said, a whole part of my life, I'd wake up like, what's for breakfast? Um, and breakfast is something that I would never miss. So, my thought was, for those of us who struggle with reading the Bible consistently and making it a habit, um, recent brain science has revealed that linking a new desirable habit to something you already do makes you that much more likely to succeed in establishing this lifelong habit. So that was kind of the the concept behind this is what if we linked our Bible reading? Uh, which is that spiritual metaphor, right, to our breakfast eating, which is that physical part of the metaphor. And we linked them together um, so that every day when we eat breakfast, we open our Bibles and feed our souls as well. And what I love about this is, you know, women in different seasons have adapted it differently, but I heard from so many moms who still have children at home who said that this was the answer to a prayer because they wanted to communicate to their children just how precious and valuable and important God's word was. But the thing is, like this morning I woke up before my kids and and I was reading my Bible quietly by myself, which is honestly how I prefer it. But then my kids never see me reading the mm-hmm. Bible. And how do we communicate to our children that something is precious and valuable if they don't see us? treasuring it. Mm -hmm. So Bible and Breakfast provided for me an opportunity to sit with my children and open my Bible at the breakfast table and read together um, and make that a habit. Now, it's looked different in different seasons. There's sometimes when we've done the audio Bible, especially during busy seasons. There are times when during the summer, for example, or when the kids were home because of COVID, where we could open our Bibles and linger at the table and read more um, and so we've just been reading through the gospels, reading an adult Bible, like we do children Bible stories at bedtime, but for Bible and breakfast, it was my Bible mm-hmm. reading scripture the way it is. I believe the word of God is powerful and active and it won't return to a an void. And so we'd read, you know, as much as they can ha- handle, sometimes it was like two verses and mm-hmm. that's it because mm-hmm. of at the table or someone spilled something or whatever Mm -hmm. sometimes it'd be two pages but the question that I always wrap things up with is what does this teach us about God Mm -hmm. so teaching our children at a very young age that the Bible is about God it's from Genesis to Revelation it's the story of God's love for his people Mm -hmm. so we read it that way and that is what truly nourishes our souls and our relationship with him is when we're able to read and ask that question, what does this teach us about God? It's that daily manna that we need.
1: Are you tired of comparing yourself to others? It's time to break free, my friend. Check out comparedtowho.me online and you'll find a ton of great resources, blog posts, videos, and so much more to help you stop comparing and start living. And make sure you sign up for my exclusive email list while you're there. I send my email friends things I don't send anyone else. You can also find out more about my brand new book, The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy Peace and rest. If you're tired of battling comparison, friend, I wrote this book just for you. Check it out right after this episode, of course. And as you were talking, I was just thinking I mean, I've had this conversation with several women recently who've been, you know, just trying to get their own Bible reading in order. And how does that look with getting my, you know, kids involved? And we spend so much time naturally talking to our kids about food, right? I mean, I don't know how your kids are, but my kids are always like, "What's for dinner?" <laughs> and "What are you going to get at the grocery store?" And I mean, my kids—we homeschool, so they're around all day long. <laughs> but but you know, there's a lot of food conversations going on in our house, and how natural that is, but how almost unnatural it is for for many people, probably watching and listening today, to have those kind of conversations about about God and about reading the Bible and about His Word, and and so. So if this is a brand new concept for someone, if you know, they're, it's just not something they're used to, like, how do they start? Because I know sitting down and aiming to read two chapters, like you confessed, <laughs> like that's not always going to work. There's, there's seasons okay. where that might work, but that's not always going to work. And, and if that's where you're... Don't start there. So where, where would you recommend someone start? What's, what should be a good aim for, for beginning to do Bible and breakfast with your children?
0: Yeah. So when I coach women in um, starting a daily time in God's word, my number one thing is always start small. Mm. Um, Again, this is brain science. The smaller your desired habit is, the more likely you're actually going to follow through and the less perceived resistance there is in your brain. Mm. If you want to start out reading three chapters a day, you might go strong for a few days, but after a while you're like, I'll do it later. Mm -hmm. I'll do it tomorrow. And and we naturally put off what is perceived to be difficult. If instead your goal is I'm going to read like one verse and just read one verse, Mm -hmm. but link it to something you're already doing like breakfast, or maybe you're doing intermittent fasting or morning time is super busy for your family. Maybe you link it with dinner Mm -hmm. or you link it to the carpool line. So when you pick up the kids from school, you have that as your time to just read one verse. And then ask one question. What does this teach us about God? Every single verse in scripture somehow reveals something about the character of God. And so make it that simple one verse, Mm -hmm. one question, link it to something you're already doing, and then celebrate your wins. Again, back to brain science. Like we like accomplishing things, we like celebrating and seeing how far we've come. And so if you're reading one verse a day and that's all you can handle, then when you end the chapter, be like, (laughs) Woohoo, finished. <laughs> as that one verse becomes um, habitual and it becomes easier and automatic, then you can build on that. And so maybe you go to three verses or maybe go to a paragraph or a narrative. Um, the key is to start small because you're trying to build a lifelong habit. And also if you're trying to include your children in this, I mean, I don't know about your kids, but mine are not going to sit through two <laughs> chapters every day. Like they might once in a while, if it's a captivating narrative about, I don't know, you know kingdoms and kings and queens and like something incredible but for the most part they can handle a few verses it's like yeah. you know your children best but what I would encourage you to do is start the conversation with God like, if in your own heart you don't hunger and thirst for for his word and be honest with him, he already knows it. Mm-hmm. And so, say, God, would you make me hunger and thirst for you? Would you put that desire within me? Would you make Jesus and his presence more precious to me than anything else? Start there, yeah. make that your prayer because that passion and desire will become contagious for your children, and they will want to know what is it that mom's so excited about? Like, yeah. I want this too.
1: Absolutely. That's really good. And, and like you said earlier, I mean, I can totally relate to the obsessive thoughts over food, the, you know, going to bed thinking, Oh, I ate too much today. or ate the wrong things today. Waking up thinking, what am I going to eat today? Um, for me with my disordered eating background, it was more like, what am I not going to eat today? You know, making my vows every morning of, you know, what I wouldn't do. And then, you know, going to bed having failed. And, but it's, It's interesting that I think the tie in between like the dieters mentality and, and, and what you're saying in terms of what brain science supports in terms of how we read our Bible, like don't approach going into, I'm going to start a Bible plan as like, I'm going on a diet (laughs) because, because we all know what happens. You fall off a diets, right? So I love, I love that strategy to just take it little by little, whatever you can do uh, and, and celebrate those victories along the way. I think that's really great. So, Asherita, you are on the Compared to Who show where we talk about comparison, um, body image issues, and we kind of already touched on body image a little bit,
0: but has comparison ever been something you've struggled with? I think I've only become more aware of it in the last few years, mm. um, and I would say probably one of the things that, like, was a light bulb moment to me was, you know, walking into a room and immediately... Ranking who was there based mm-hmm. on their body image, like mm-hmm. okay, maybe I don't look as good as her, but I look mm-hmm. better than her, mm-hmm. um, and assigning moral value to mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only been in the last few years that I feel like God has just been teaching me humility mm-hmm. um, as well as where proper value is. Mm-hmm. Like Paul says, there is some value to exercising our bodies, there is value to feeding our bodies in a way that nourishes us for the work God has given us to do. Um, But that's not where the ultimate value is. Um, And so walking into a room, and instead of comparing myself to others, walking in there saying, God, who do you have for me to encourage Mm -hmm. today? Like, Who's someone who needs your joy today? And looking for opportunities to pour into and serve, Mm -hmm. um, that's just shifted my perspective from comparison and competition to community. We're in this together. We're part of the body of Christ together. We're all God's children together. And so we can celebrate that.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I love that.
0: Do you know Shannon
1: Popkin? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's her whole, I just interviewed her and her, her episode will just be a couple, a couple episodes before this. You can listen to all the, the measuring, uh, her, her measuring cup analogy, where instead of going into the room, like who's going to fill my cup? Like, how can I pour out? onto others and just shifting mm. your thoughts about comparison in that way. is the a conversation we just had and I love that. I mean, yeah, I think every woman watching or listening can probably relate to going into the room and and comparing herself mm. with everyone around her. There is there is a way to be free in that too. That too. So I love that. Ashrita, you've got a lot of different works available. So tell everyone where they can connect to you and where they can find your books.
0: Sure. So um you can find me on Instagram on at Sh- at @ashrita um, and I'm taking a little break from there, but I might be back in the foreseeable future. Probably the best way to find blog articles and podcasts is onethingalone.com. That's where I've archived all my work over the last seven years. Um, and as a, we're coming up close to the Christmas season, one of my favorite books that I've written is called Unwrapping the Names of Jesus, and it's all about uh, learning to adore and worship Jesus for who he is. I think that would be just a perfect devotional to wrap up everything that we've talked about in this podcast, and you can find that um, anywhere books are sold. Awesome.
1: Great. Well, Ashrita, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate you sharing from your wisdom, and I hope our listeners and viewers
0: have been encouraged. Thank you so much, Heather, for having me.
1: And that's all for today's show. I hope something in today's show has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. Hey, friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. It's a crazy world out there, moms and dads. I'm Catherine Seegers, host of Christian Parent, Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.